who will survive? Means nothing. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? I'm talking about all the way to the top. Yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream rise to the top. give you a show like you have never ever seen before why because i can hello everyone and welcome to the positively pro wrestling podcast i'm your host steve fountas and with me today is a extra special guest been here before guest host joe morata from the our vantage point retro wrestling podcast joe how's it going I'm extra special today, huh? Extra special, yes, Thank because you, you've been on multiple times. I have, you're right. Hello, PPW. So also, because you've been on multiple times, normally when I have these special shows, I don't number the episodes. Right. But this is going to be a numbered episode, so oh, congratulations. So it really is extra special. Correct. And also, awesome. I looked back, the the first like 40 or so, I broke that rule, so I don't really know how many episodes we've actually done. I should do an actual count sometime, but either way... Uh, if this is your first time checking us out, appreciate that. Maybe you're our Vantage Point fan and you heard Joe was on. You can follow us on Twitter at PPW Podcast. And you can find all of our past shows, future shows for free on your favorite podcast app. Just search a Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast and subscribe. Normally, Eric is the co-host. Him and I go over retro wrestling and fun stuff. Kind of like our Vantage Point, but a little bit more of, hey, remember that? That's pretty much the <laughs> show, which as someone in a iTunes review called out one time, and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what the show is. It's, hey, you remember this? <laughs> Very like, I can't argue I can't argue with you. Uh, also, we get an Instagram page, which is just basically shit posts of random pictures I remember to post every once in a while. PPW underscore podcast. Uh, so I mentioned Joe's show, the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast, which I'm pretty sure there's a big crossover if people listen to our show and your show. But in case you guys don't, check them out at OVP Podcast on Twitter and all your favorite podcast apps. They've also got a YouTube page. Uh, what is it? Not, not I said about to say Vizio, the off TV brand. The uh, we have a Venmo also. Venmo, no. yeah, Venmo. What's, <laughs> no, what's, Vimeo is what you're going for. Exactly. So they do live watch alongs and things like that. Also have a Patreon, which is very much worth it. Uh, two and five bucks a month for reviews of old shows, uh, wrestling canon, all that stuff. So we'll get to more plugs at the end. But how's it going tonight, Joe? What's what's going on out there in the East Coast? It's going well. It's nice and warm here, and. Uh... You got me to review something uh, WCW related, huh? So that's that's hard to do. So I put out the bat signal on Twitter because <laughs> Eric, Eric, Eric and I were going to do a show this week. We we're going to do Spring Stampede '94. Oh, good show! It's, it's spring, you know, and uh, it's, it's themed, right? Yep. And and for some reason, and we'll talk about it with Eric next week. I didn't watch a lot of WCW pay per views growing up just because they were unavailable to me. But for some reason, my video store had this tape. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to watch this, and that was a show I had a lot of memories of. So Eric and I'll talk about that next week. But I put it out, and then a few people responded, and I'm going to get to you guys too. But Joe was like, "Well, what show are we doing?" And I was like, "Spring Stampede." He goes, "Wait, no, never mind. I'm out." But <laughs> but we tricked him into joining some staying in 1994 WCW mm. specifically. You see, it, and I love the murmur because it's bad, 
but this was the WCW, my first real memories of watching it because Hogan was there. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm watching WCW now. You know, uh, incidentally, same thing with me, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But yeah, awesome. same thing. So this was the Clash of the Champions, technically number 28, August 28th, 1994, from the Five Season Center in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Attendance of 4,200. Looked like a, a good crowd. They were lively for some parts, and there's some things I want to talk about, specifically about like the Dusty Rhodes thing, where <laughs> maybe it wasn't a big guy, good idea to have him make his comeback-ish match in Iowa, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> I remember, I definitely remember watching this show live, because, I don't know about for you, but for me, Clash of the Champions were, I don't care if it's WCW, this is a free pay-per-view as far as I'm concerned. So it was appointment television for me. Same here. Yo, Clash of the Champions was a huge deal. Free pay-per-view quality, or at least in my little kid brain it was. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you. You, you didn't have to ask your parents. You, you got to nope. see these matches of yep. guys you didn't get to see. It was awesome. Yep. And you get your snacks, and generally they were on a Saturday or, or something like that. TBS, 6.05, Eastern, 7.05, whatever it is where you are. And this was what I was pumped for because it was advertised as a world title match of Hogan versus Flair a rematch from their bash at the beach. Yep. And I don't know, I was all in on this and rewatching this. I, it started off like I got the feeling of like, oh yeah, like the warmness of, of old Coliseum video almost while rewatching it. Yeah. And it's during the, the tail end of a really good period for WCW. A lot of people would say when Hogan came in, he killed the company, which, you know, depending on how you look at it, I guess, you know, creatively mm -hmm. maybe, but ratings wise, no, but yeah, this is 94 was a really good year in a lot of people's minds for WCW. And this is still part of that. You get a lot of that here. You do. And it starts. And of course the big angle of this show is Hogan gets hit with a pipe. <laughs> it reminds me pipe. of, it reminds me of, I, they were probably going for the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan thing, right? Yeah. They so definitely were. That. Yeah. The masked man what, was Jeff Galuli, of course. What it, what it reminded me of was the Simpsons episode, the Pin Pals, <laughs> where Mr. Burns is walking to the bowling alley. And he says, I'll never make it, Smithers. This old knee's gone out. And Mo goes, take that. Wax him with the knee, his <laughs> knee back into place, and he gets to bowl with them. So that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> good connection. I didn't think of that. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So a couple things here about this. I looked it up, and I was thinking to myself, like, were people watching this and mm -hmm. I looked up the ratings. This did a very, very good rating for WSW, a 4.5, which was the highest clash rating since September of 1990. Yeah. So people wanted to see it. Hogan move numbers. He, he was big numbers. business. Yeah. He was. And I mean, and I mentioned, I was telling you earlier, we were texting back and forth about the Bash of the Beach 2000 show that the Laps fans doing. And they've been reading the Hulk Hogan contract mm -hmm. and just basically it would almost cost WCW money to have Hogan show up. They would lose money because he was guaranteed, I think, something along the lines of at least $25,000 per of the gate. Right? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Right, right. So I don't know how accurate the numbers I looked up, but the gate of this show is $40,000. Mm. So Hogan already gets more than half of the gate just for showing up here tonight. He's a brilliant man. His lawyer is, who also <laughs> makes an appearance on right? this show too. Yes. It's his actual, his actual lawyer, yep. which is great. Which was great. Okay, the, this show starts off, Peacock has, I guess, some technical difficulties where it doesn't show the national anthem. I'm a little skeptical on that because I looked it up, and you can find it online. The national anthem is sung by a country singer, and he messes up the words. <laughs> the national anthem. <laughs> so maybe that's why they cut it. It could be. All right. 
show starts off with their opening match with the Nasty Boys taking on Mr. Wonderful Paul Roma, or Mr. Wonderful and Paul Roma. Pretty wonderful. I like a good pun, but did the Nasty Boys in WCW seem weird to you as a WWF kid, even um, though they were there longer than th- WWF? No, you know, the Nasties in WCW is interesting because well, they were there before WWF. Right. And, and then when they went back, they were heels. They had just turned face here. Mm-hmm. And so I started watching them were already face in um, in WCW. But no, I mean, they were there so long that it just seems normal for me. You know, I kind of like them there, more, maybe even more than WWF. I'm not sure, but I like them there. I did too. And the Nasty Boys were a team that I hated in WWF. But when they turned babyface in WWF too, I was like, okay, I'm in. I was pretty much the kid that... If the company told me a guy was good, I was in. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> so not, not not too hard to convince. I wasn't exactly a smart fan. Bobby, oh, by the way, Bobby Heenan's on commentary here. Got the neck brace with Tony Schiavone. They're yep. literally right, right up against the ring on yep. the apron, basically. This is a little before Bobby stopped caring about WCW, but if you read his book, he stopped caring the second he got there. Yeah, I don't know if some of that is just his retroactive memory or something, because I've always found that for his first year there, like pretty much all of 94, he's really good still. And he puts over, like, WCW is number one. That's yep. why we're the best. And WCW, this is just amazing. He's not yep. saying, like, he's not phoning it in. So you're, you're probably right with the retroactive memory thing. I think so. I think he hated, it left a bad taste in his mouth, and maybe looking back, he thought he hated it the whole time. But those first couple of years, he's really into it. He is. And he, he's, again, he's putting over how great WCW is. And even as a WWF fan, I was like, no, they're not as good. They're not They're not number one. <laughs> I still say that. And over in 94 WWF, we've got, this is this is what, in August, so we've got SummerSlam coming up. Mm-hmm. Did it already pass? No, it already passed. No, coming yeah. up. It's 29th. Oh, okay. So it's literally then. Is it the next night then? Well, wow. you know, I'm glad you brought that up because okay. I, I was looking up this clash here, and I found three different dates listed for it, mm-hmm. and it's Clash 28. So a lot of sources say August 28th, and I was like, okay, when the hell is this? Because History of the WWE.com has it as August 24th. Some other sites have it as August 24th. Some have August 23rd, and I looked it up. Mm-hmm. And I believe it is August 24th, a Wednesday, because I checked this Saturday night, uh, the WCW Saturday night, right before this, and it said this Wednesday, Clash of the Champions. So that would be August 24th. So Does some, anyone have a TV guide from there 1994? You go. We, can, we can cross-reference. Frank Costanza. <laughs> he does. He does. He reads the periodicals. <laughs> That's right. He does. With, with who is it? Uh, uh, Al Roker on the cover. <laughs> it's the big one. There you go. All right. So this match, this match kind of sucks, but it's fun because it's the Nasty Boys. The Nasty Boys are always just fun. They're just they're they're not trying to be technical wrestlers. They're no. just brawling around. They're the, over. The crowds are into them. They're pumped. Yep. Even at the finish here, there's a terrible elbow drop off the top, and the crowd gets a huge pop for. Mm-hmm. Throughout the match, we mentioned commentary. Bobby makes a joke about Iowa. He says he went to the gas station. Gave him a dollar and asked for change. He's like, give me, I think, eight pieces of cream corn or something. <laughs> I don't, it just didn't hit. It, it didn't hit. It would have been a gorilla monsoon saying, what are you talking about, why, brain? Or Why don't yeah. you stop? You know, exactly. one of those. <laughs> or, or a Bobby Heenan. For yes, if Vince stop is Bobby Heenan. If Vince is <laughs> they, uh, Tony Schiavone talks about lots of dignitaries being here today for the championship match. and oh, Grand Rapids, yeah, sure. Well, I think who, who showed Cedar up? Rapids, sorry. <laughs> You're gonna make the Iowa people upset. Wrong Rapids. The who is here? Bachwinkle was he the oh. most dignitary guy there? And was a Tony Onoki here hoping to get a shot? Uh, yeah, those are two big dig- 
Dignified people, I'd say, Steve, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> and I was watching the match, too, and it felt like this is a match I would have watched on Coliseum Home Video. Yeah, with Sean and Mooney. I mean, Sean Mooney and Lord Alfred Hayes. Yes, exactly, in the studio, which, as a kid, watching, because I watched a lot of those uh, tapes all the time, because I actually have an old TV VCR combo in my laundry room, and, of course, I have a bunch of Coliseum videos, and I pop them in while I'm doing laundry, which is just a great experience. I highly recommend to people. But I watched that commentary. I'm like, man, these guys suck. <laughs> Where's oh Gorilla? <laughs> I'm so bad. You would never want those two on anything important. Exactly. I mean, even I get it. They're in a studio, and Gorilla and Bobby care. are going to be there. Like, they don't care. But it's it's just bad. But the matches are great. Uh, then post-match, after I mentioned, they win. They get a huge pop after... Uh, Sags drops a big elbow. It's really <laughs> awkward. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically picture what it would look like if Sags jumped off the rope, and that's what happened. He's <laughs> that that's his finisher, and it's like that's Jerry Sags' singles finisher, and it's really awful. They didn't do the pit stop in this match, did they? No, I guess not. I don't think they did. <sighs> my sis, my younger or my older sister hated that. She would get physically grossed out when I'd watch those tapes and they'd do the pit stop thing or one superstars was on or whatever. Physically my, grossed out. My wife doesn't like it when I do it either. <laughs> to her? Aw. Aw. Okay. What? <laughs> then post-match, they're already pumping over the hotline. The WCW hotline. <laughs> they say the Nasty Boys are on the hotline, which is okay. There's Then we find out there's two hotlines. <laughs> there's the Nasty Boys on the WCW hotline. Which the WF did, everyone. Did you ever call one of those hotlines as a kid ever? I called the the uh, WSW one. For what? For Mean Jeans? I forget. Stuff? Something like that or something with Hulk Hogan. I don't remember, but I my, my dad got mad at me. As he would. I think I called one, <laughs> the WWF one once for like 10 seconds and hung up. But you still get charged the full minute. I know. So my parents are like, what is this $1.50 charge? I'm like, oh, I don't know. It must have been an accidental dial. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can't accidentally dial a 900 number. It'd be very hard. Okay, we talked about the WCW hotline. But what about the Hulk Hogan hotline? It's very important. Dollar forty nine a minute. There's Hulk trivia. <laughs> one of his Hulk messages. There's got to be audio archives of these hotline recordings somewhere. There right? better be. There better be. Maybe Conrad has them. Got everything. I don't care who has them. <laughs> Find them. Upload them. I want to listen to them. I want context along with it. It's, I want Hulk Hogan giving me Hulk trivia. What do you think the question, what's a Hulk trivia question he would have asked? Because he probably couldn't mention WWF stuff on the WCW Hulk hotline, could he? You know, now that you mention it, I think that's the one I called because I remember uh, doing a <laughs> trivia thing. I think hotline. I called the Hulk hotline. And uh, I don't remember <laughs> what the questions were, but I, I remember I was on it for way too long and I was reprimanded. Like 20 like minutes, not- I'm saying. Like a long time. <laughs> that's like 40 bucks. Yeah, it wasn't good. You could have ordered a pay-per-view. Thanks a lot, Hogan. Oh, man. Anyway, so with that hotline, as the Laps fan show, because what happened with the the defamation of character lawsuit Hogan filed against Vince Russo and WCW, because it was a lawsuit, all these documents are made public. So Hogan's contract, all this stuff is public record. I don't have time to go through that stuff, so someone did it for me. <laughs> the Hulk hotline, Hulk got 100% of the profits from the Hulk hotline. Brilliant lawyer. It is. 100%. So it <laughs> costs insane. WCW money to run those commercials. Hulk also got paid to make advertisements for said Hulk hotline. <laughs> in addition to that, in addition to his salary. So just 
amazing, amazing stuff for Hulk. Smartest good, good job. man in wrestling. Yeah, really. He is. And then we have after the Hulk Hotline advertisement, we get we're 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 into it. There's no slowing down here. Mean Gene Okerlund brings out Hulk. What do you think of Mean Gene in early WCW? Did he feel the same? Yeah. He felt a lot like he had been in WWF. His uh his brand of bombast but also, you know, gravity to situations. I thought he was great. I really think he helped them out a lot. He definitely made him seem more more uh, main event. Yeah, maybe even legit, but more uh, pr- professional. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got who? Who else would have been out there? Tony, Eric Bischoff, I guess, would have been doing the the yeah, interviewing dur- during that time. Maybe Bischoff. Uh, I don't. They have Chris Cruz yet? No, not really. Well, Bischoff at this point is already VP of WCW, and they even mentioned it on the broadcast that he's already the VP of WCW, which was kind of weird because he's a roaming man in the street reporter throughout the show too. But he's also in charge at this point. Yeah, it's been about a year, over a year at this point. Yep. So anyway, uh, Gene's out there, Hulk Hogan comes out, and Hulk gets a couple steps out, and then there's the masked man. Jeff Galuli. Hits him with the pipe on the knee. Hulk goes down. Screams why. Oh, that's Kerrigan. He's just, well, he says a lot of things. I've got some <laughs> notes here on what Hulk's screaming. First off, Gene Okerlin, just amazing. <laughs> look look at that knee. Jesus. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's so fucking funny in this. This goes on for like at least six or seven minutes. It's long. And then Jimmy Hart's very concerned, naturally. There's a, the dignitaries are out there. For some reason, Nick Bockwinkle shows up. Bischoff's out there. Yep. And then Gene is demanding answers right now from the EMTs of what's wrong with Hogan's knee. <laughs> it's amazing. He's demanding it. And then they they wrap up his knee and he gets carted off. But I, we're really skimming over it. There's so much like happens in this little little thing here, which I get it was their big angle of the show. It was a dumb angle, but yeah, Hogan's off, and apparently, hey, is the main event off? Did uh, <laughs> by the way, did you notice that uh, not only was Bachwinkle out there, not only Bishop, Greg Gagne is out there, which is very I forgot I forgot he was working for them at this time. I, I did not notice Greg Gagne. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. It's That's really amazing. good, and it's and, funny too because you'd think you know Hogan had a penchant for. No selling finishers, hulking up out of flying elbows and you know power plexes and other things mm-hmm. like that. But a, a shot to the knee takes him out, huh? It does. It's a it's a pipe. But he, well, we'll see. There is he going to show up? And I had a note here. I thought to myself, like I wonder if people said, "All right, I'm out." Like turn the show off, thinking there's not going to be the Hogan match. <laughs> Imagine just everyone flips the channel. Well, I I legitimately thought that, but looked it up. And the main event did a 6.7, so yeah. people people were with it. They wanted to see what the heck was going to happen. So as much as we're kind of crapping on this and saying how goofy it was, in exactly. retrospect it is. It was well done. Yeah, it kept people interested. Yep. They And we'll get to it. Uh, they tease maybe, hey, maybe Sting's going to be his replacement or something like that. Yep. So we'll, And there's a funny little uh, thing they talk about in Sting. When we get to it, I'll mention how it was completely ridiculous. So okay. we'll get to that. Uh, then also... We, for some reason, Bobby Heenan gets word while this is all happening. Someone's in a sense that the, that the arena is put on lockdown, <laughs> that they're not going to let anybody leave. Got to find that guy. Imagine if, you know, you're, you're there at the show, you're like, oh man, we got to go. My kid's sick. And then they're like, sorry, our arena's on lockdown. We got to see what it is. Someone hit Hogan. Leave. You can't leave. <laughs> Gene needs answers. And he's screaming like, what about, what about that kneecap? Hogan's <laughs> screaming, my hamstring, oh, my hamstring's tightening up too, brother. <laughs> He's in his, 
He's in his gear, his under his his W the the bad gear. Oh, just bad. What a great actor. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Hulk Hulkamania movies the Hulk where he himself. starred in them. The Hulk Hulkamania lives. <laughs> um uh what was it? The Three Ninjas Take on Space Mountain or whatever, Thunder Mountain. Yeah. That's on HBO uh, Max now. Yeah, Three Ninjas at High Noon. Is that the one he's in? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's the one I was talking about. Yeah. I don't think he was in multiple ones, which is just he just I don't understand how he's such a bad actor. But <laughs> it's impressive. It's 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 like some it's someone told told him to say something and he forgot how to talk during these movies. But <laughs> yeah. he's when during promos, he's great. I don't know what happened. It's Can't just, give him lines. I, I don't get it either. He's like when Kramer tries to act on Seinfeld. Yes, exactly. When he's you know? trying out for himself. Yes, <laughs> he can't exactly. do it. He can't do it. <laughs> right. Which I guess is Hogan's best acting performance, No Holds Barred. Um I mean, yeah, yeah probably because he's playing himself. Although Thunder in Paradise was fine. Yeah, because you don't need to really be a good actor in a, in a show like that. What about his role in Hogan Knows Best? I mean, that's, oh. yeah, that's not bad, actually. I it's like him not. in that. It's, 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 it's not bad. It's not My bad. favorite episode of Hogan Knows Best is where Nobbs shows up for yes, the week. I know the one. It's just, the and then eventually all, at the end, all the wrestlers come for a pool party. Yep. But I'm sure you know the line, my favorite line, where Nobbs sneaks into the room at two in the morning. Hey, Hulkster. Want to watch WrestleMania 7? I'm like, yes. Yes, I do. Let me get up right now. <laughs> get my beer. It was a good night for both of us. I won the title. You guys won the tags. Good night for both of us. I mean, there's never a bad time to watch WrestleMania 7, Steve. You know that. Yeah. I mean, it's between 7 and 8 that's my comfort shows that I can't sleep. This is going on. So those are the two. There you go. And there's no wrong answer if you like 7 or 8 better. But if you like one a different mania more than those, it is the wrong answer. I'll, yeah. I will accept three if you've been born before like nineteen eighty, before like seventy nine. We'll say. What about six? No, no, six doesn't factor in. Well, it does, but I think six is got is got too much of a a lull. I think because I don't think seven ever slows down for me. Even with Valentine versus Earthquake, never slows down. Well, they interviewed Chuck Norris before it. How could you go wrong, right? Well, yeah, and then Seven's got that youngster looking on at the main event match there. He, he well, doesn't want to be home alone with the Nasty Boys. 7-Eleven <laughs> is my favorite match of all time. So, with the Warrior and Macho Man. Oh, God, I love the Macho yeah. thing. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, we're just going to go talk about Seven Eleven the rest of the show. Forget about this, because it kind of goes downhill from here, <laughs> to be honest with the rest of the show. Well, the next um, match is good. Okay, we'll talk about that. All right, so we've got the U.S. title match, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Stunning Steve Austin. yeah. I feel like their matches in po- like post his career have gotten a lot of praise, but I've gone back and watched them. I mean, they're just okay. Well, they're not. They're okay. I don't think they're Austin's best work, but what they to me because I, I watched this today. To me, it's a really good example of the technical side of Austin that we did get to see in the WWF a little bit. You know, like during mm-hmm. the like Bret Hart '96, their Survivor Series match yeah. and. Austin really was, and sometimes I guess maybe it gets forgotten. He was a really good technical wrestler, and Steamboat, even though he's on the more of the tail end of his career, not intentionally, but he just is. Uh, he's still babyface Ricky Steamboat from 1985 or 1987, and maybe the the match has a slow build, but that finishing sequence, those last few minutes are just classic Ricky Steamboat, and Austin's yeah. right there with him. But yeah, it's not like a, an amazing all time classic match or anything, but it was I, I liked it. Yeah. So this has a little bit of a backstory. So Austin won the championship because he beat Steamboat with weird, like a weird background, 
Austin got DQ'd in their match, yep. but Steamboat said, no, let's keep going. And then Austin got the win. He yep. pinned him. Yep. So in this match, the, the, what's the word, the, uh, the stipulation yep. is that if Stone if Stone Cold, if Austin gets disqualified, he loses the championship. Mm-hmm. Important to keep in mind because this is also during the time in WCW where it's still illegal to be thrown over the top rope. Thanks, That's Bill Watts. That's a DQ. How is that still a rule? It's still that a is- rule. As Quinn always says on, on OVP, it's a rule until like the NWO comes around. Yeah, and they just toss it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, enough. I remember watching that as a kid being like, this is the stupidest rule I've ever heard in my life. How would they have a Royal Rumble? Like, right. this is stupid. <laughs> Ricky comes out in his half WWF gear. He's only got, he doesn't have the headpiece. He's just got the lizard parts. He does yep. 91 WWF. He still has the torch for some reason. Uh, it's, it's not his original run. It's not his WWF run. It's his weirdness. Uh, and I think this is the match where he famously gets hurt, right? And he, he kind of ends his career, doesn't it? Um, this, this is it. And he doesn't wrestle again until 2009? Eight, eight or nine, yeah. Yeah, I think WrestleMania. Nine. This is kind of it. Is this the match where, yeah, you know what it might be? I know that he he retires in September. He's supposed to defend, or uh, yeah, he's supposed to defend against Austin in September at Fall Brawl, and he doesn't. Austin mm-hmm. wins by forfeit, um, and Duggan comes in. Yeah, we remember Duggan getting the one, two, three in yep. six seconds. But yes, this Ugh. is the match where yeah, it's over. I think you're right. Also, there's a foul mouth fan in the crowd. It's our favorite Barry Darso Love smash it. repo man. Yep. The blacktop bully. Yet to be whatever named. Whatever you want to call him. Yep, yet to be named, but he's basically sitting there heckling all the faces, cheering on all the heels all night, especially looked during like, this. Looked like he borrowed the Mounties gear to wear in the front row, just and the, to cut, the cut off red. And the boss man's sunglasses. It's a weird hybrid character. <laughs> he's got it. Uh, also, at some point, Bobby Heenan's talking to a stagehand. Yes. But the stagehand's talking, and it's kind of like you can overhear him a little bit into Bobby's headset. Then Bobby comes back and says, the stagehand's informed me. That Hogan's injury is so bad, he's never going to wrestle again. I'm like, how the hell does stagehand know that? <laughs> is he a bookie? What's going on here? <laughs> you know, but what are you going to do? It, I just, that just made me laugh so hard when I saw that. Uh, that was funny. Th- this match starts off. Oh, also, Austin has the Dragon Slayer on his tights, which he was does. a nice touch. Yep. They didn't, one of the last times before he had, did he have their dollar signs on his tights when he was the ringmaster? Or were they just green? I think they were just mm, green. Yeah, it was just green briefly and then black. Yeah, I think they were just green. Uh, they started off with some chops. Uh, Ricky Steamboat takes over, and then uh, Heenan's ranting the entire time, but he doesn't care if Hogan will ever wrestle again. He doesn't want him to. <laughs> uh, there's some pinfall reversals. There's all this stuff. Uh, this is about a 16-minute match, and I think it takes maybe like eight minutes to get really get going, it yeah. seems like. Yeah. Which is pretty standard for an NWA-style wrestling match, right? It takes a while. Yeah, or even, you know, honestly, even certain... Bret Hart matches and, and people like that. It's just a, it's a slow burn type of deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the crowd's kind of into it. Do you think everyone's just really concerned? Like, shit, is Hogan not going to show up? Like, we came out here uh, all night, and he's not going to be here. I think the people that paid for the tickets, you know, the parents of the kids, <laughs> are concerned, and maybe the kids are too. Yeah, because this is not a pay per view. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Hogan won't wrestle. It's yeah. not unheard of. True, and it's WCW also. So, yes. Also, so we talked about this briefly a little bit ago. So they tease here that Sting, who was in Chicago for a charity event, has chartered a plane. Yes. And he's on his way here and will wrestle in Hogan's place if need be. So a few things. Later on, we find out that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. So also, Shivani says it's a 30-minute flight. It's not a 30-minute flight. It's an hour flight. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's about a four hour drive. And I was, because I'm a crazy person, like, okay, he's doing a charity event. So he's probably by O'Hare airport, which is where a lot of the stuff is. Unless he's downtown. If he's downtown, he's not getting to an airport. He's just not going to make it. But if he's by O'Hare and gets on a private jet, he could probably get there at the very end of the show. If he leaves right this second. (laughs) Do we assume he has his gear? Is he painting his face on the plane? That's a good point. Yeah. We, we've, we've got questions here. could be difficult to do that on a plane. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of back and forth here. The finish here is probably my favorite part because I mentioned earlier the the thing is if Austin gets disqualified, he loses. He loses the championship. He throws Ricky Steamboat over the top. Ricky Steamboat does the skin and the cat and pulls himself up. Bobby Heenan calls him an idiot for doing that. He could have won the championship. True. And I forgot the ending of this match. So I was like, oh, oh man, Austin's going to win. But no, there's a small package for the one, two, three, Ricky Steamboat, your new United States champion, and your last match until 2009. So a good one to go on. But again, to me, it's just, it's okay. It's fine. It's not a classic five-star no. whatever. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. It's a good TV match, you know? Yeah, they're just okay. Yeah. Then we go, after this match, we've got Mean Gene with Bobby and Tony. And they're going to the hospital. They say we're going to kick it. We got a camera crew there. Good stuff, WCW. Let's get Bischoff there. And you're like, holy shit, Beefcake's there too. Because mm, of course he is. Brother Brood Eye. Brother Brood Eye. And uh, I don't know if you heard, we were talking at our last show about the King of the Ring, where <laughs> Bret Hart uh, drew the drawing of Beefcake, uh, a cartoon of Beefcake up Hogan's ass. So <laughs> yes. He, put it up in the locker room and he's like to be fair beefcake probably had nothing to do with it he's probably walks he's like what the hell brad i thought we were friends <laughs> Give me this the famous fuck you terry show oh, you know, fuck you terry you know you want to talk to me all this time <laughs> we, did the, we did that photo shoot for the summer slam nova scotia where's that where's that photo Everyone wants to know. People, uh, even Pritchard, you know, who people don't always believe, but he says it happened. A lot of people say it happened. It's too specific of a story for Brett to not to like put that in there. Well, and Brett, book. Brett gave the date. I think it was May twenty fourth, ninety three. And if you look up where they were, they were in friggin' Halifax. For those who are maybe unaware, there, the storyline is, of course, Bret Hart was told that he was going to face Hogan for the championship at SummerSlam in ninety three that year after basically losing to Yokozuna and Hogan won it. And Brett says they did a photo shoot of them both pulling at the belt, staring. In Halifax. And that was going to be the promo for the SummerSlam match. Yeah. And in my head, I picture it like a tug of war. Yeah. But I think it's probably more like the Survivor Series 95, Brett versus Diesel, where they're both holding the belt. Where they're just holding it and staring at each other. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's what Because Hogan's taller than Brett. Brett could look up at him, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So that's that's what I think. Uh, Anyway... Uh, Eric Bischoff is the reporter on the scene, and he has no info for us. Thanks, Eric. Good stuff. He's, he literally says, I, I have nothing for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Great. All right, and then Honky Tonk Man's coming to the WCW. He's got a new single, <laughs> and uh, he pulls up to some guy's house with a WCW hat in a, this is all a vignette, by the way, in a pink Cadillac. He says, hey, man, where's the WCW wrestling matches? And the guy points him to it, and then we have Honky Tonk Baby. It looks like a uh, VHS green screen, make your own music video at the mall. That's what it looked it. like it was. It was. It is essentially the intro to Hunka Hunka Honky Love and then the music of the Honky Tonk Man song because it's a Jimmy Hart joint, obviously. It is so dangerously the same song as uh, just a Honky Tonk Man. Was that DDP's Cadillac that he borrowed again? Probably. 
they get him a new one. Right? I mean, DDP was there. So, no, it's probably DDPs, right? I would assume so. I would assume I mean, so. Yeah. I met a DDP at WrestleCon this, this past couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I had the trading card of that WrestleMania 6 match where it's it's actually of Rhythm and Blues, but DDP's in the picture driving the car. So I'm yep. like, oh, DDP, I joked, like, this is your rookie card. <laughs> he's like, oh, this is great. He goes, where's Luke? He goes, Luke. And Luke Bushwhacker's over there. He's like, he gave, he got me the gig that night. I'm like, yeah, I know, DDP. You tell the same story 16 times. <laughs> tell me next time about how Randy Savage called you on Thanksgiving. Like, come on, like tell the story again. But anyway, <laughs> tells the same story all the time. He tells that story. He tells the time where he met The Rock and he was the real people's champ. And probably one more. He, he just has six stories, which is fine. He's a great, fun guy. He was super nice to me, so I don't know why I'm talking shit about him. He was super nice to me. I'm there. telling. That's fine. I don't <laughs> think he'll care. He's got a new wife that's at least 30 years younger than him. So Oh, he's pulling was, a Jerry Lawler, huh? Uh, no, Jerry's probably 20 years younger than him. Or his, <laughs> wife, his, wife's or his wife or 20. Jerry's 70 years old now, right? He's got to be. Yeah, 72 or 3 or something. Yeah, and he always takes pictures, selfies of himself in his bed, Coca-Cola bed. He God. still has that? Of course he does. Yeah, what you're right. Co- you, you don't get rid of a Coca-Cola bed. You're right. Coca-Cola and Santa Claus. Obviously. Santa Claus room. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it weird that Mick Foley, I guess because he's married and has kids, but Mick Foley does the weird man-child Christmas thing and we're like, oh, that's adorable. And Jerry does it like, you fucking creep. Yeah. Well, there's a difference. <laughs> we <laughs> yes, won't get one, into it, but. <laughs> one guy's got a leather, leather face. The other guy's just missing teeth. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Gene is with Nick Bockwinkle now, who oh. still who still has no answer. Yes, Gene is. This is all. This is classic. Ho, ho, Gene oh, Commissioner Bockwinkle. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Bockwinkle was he was a was he in WWF ever? Yeah, like, he, no, not as like an authority figure. As uh, what? I don't he know. Was just an announcer. A, yeah, but in I, eighty-seven, I, and then he was a backstage agent till eighty-nine. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because I yeah. was he ever, was he ever like the guy that runs out and separates things? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I. That's he's where he on, looked familiar. Um, the, probably the most notable is uh, the main event too, where um, Savage attacks Hogan in the first aid room. Okay. Bachwinkle okay. runs into that scene. Okay, that makes sense. That, that's where I rec- recognized him from because I knew him. And what's funny is when you watch these old shows, and even when I was a kid, they always talk about these legends like, oh, Nick Bachwinkle and J.J. Dillon. And even they talked about Gorilla Monsoon being a former wrestler and Bobby being a former wrestler. It never computed to me. Like, wait, there was wrestling that existed before I started watching? Like, wh- I, before the tapes? Like, <laughs> before the tapes. That's basically, that's when my wrestling history started, is the tapes. Like, when would they, when else would they start? Right. Of course. So that's when it was. And he, who was your favorite backstage uh, agent in WWF during separations? As a kid, probably Rene Goulet because of the hair. Definitely. I mean, yeah. that's everyone's. Like, yeah. if he's a, he's a that guy. Yeah. So if you're watching movies, it's a that guy, it's him. He's a that guy. He him. was the that guy. Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. Um, again, Nick Bonkwinkle still has no answers, which is all these interviews are really informative for us. No answers. Although he does have a ruling. Yep. He says if Hulk Hogan does not show up for the main event, he will have to forfeit his title. Wow. So Sting's wasting a lot of time in the air getting here, apparently. Seriously. He didn't even, doesn't even mention Sting. Like, no. I could say Hogan forfeits the title. So we're going to have a, a match, Sting versus Flair. Yeah. Which, as a kid watching this, I would have been like, hell yeah, Sting might win, and we'll get a Hogan-Sting match. Let's do it. Well, yeah, that was one of the big things. Is Hogan ever going to fight Sting? You know, that was a thing for a while. Not till 97. And then Sting says, mamacita, after beating him. God. <laughs> hey. Me, please don't get me started on that. Uh, when are we going to get the WCW pay-per-view review 
canon on OVP. Never. Starting, come on. <laughs> get out of here. You know, Someday. What's, what's interesting, though, Steve, just a, a very brief aside, we actually just did um, the June 94 clash a couple, mm-hmm. of, uh, a couple of weeks back, right? I, I forget when. And not too long ago, we did uh, Spring Stampede 94. So we've hit up a bunch of WCW 94 canon. Do, have you? I'm, I don't know if you've thought it this far ahead yet. So for those who don't know, OVP Podcast has their Patreon. They have their regular show once a week, which has segments and Royal Flush and all these other things like that. So there's every week, every week there's a new there's a lot episode. Of yes, yeah. and there's new seasons and all that. Anyway, that's the main show. It's free. The The Patreon, the $5 tier, has the WWF pay-per-view review. So every pay-per-view in WWF history, starting from WrestleMania 1 forward. You guys are up to 95 now. Just about to hit the in-your-house era, which is, oh, I can't wait. Have you guys decided, <laughs> are you going to stop at some point? Are you going to go to WrestleMania 38? Like, what are you going to um, do? When's, when does it end for you? Because now we're doing once a month. It's, the, you know, it obviously gets stretched out more. Quinn and I have said uh, bare minimum is like WrestleMania 14. Because it's like, okay, that's the end of like the pre-attitude. You know what I mean, right? Well, because the Scratch logo comes in officially too. Of course. And yeah. the, the wingy, winged eagle goes away the next night. Or... um if we are really still doing this six years from now, then WrestleMania 17 or X7, you know, that would probably be the logical okay. end of me wanting to do that. All right. So we need six <laughs> more years. So you got to reset to WCW. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to push you to do is to hold on to that. All right, so everyone keep, everyone keep giving them money. So they're <laughs> motivated to do this. Oh. God. <laughs> All right. Uh, and also what's funny about Mean Gene and Bachwinkle, mm-hmm. behind them, they have the screen, you know, of the eight screens or whatever make one image and it's just a loop of hogan getting whacked in the knee it's just yeah, amazing I saw that too that was it's horrible that's it what was, you're doing it what's great is the view of behind them made it look more impactful than the live shot did <laughs> because yeah. he hits it from the side and it's in slow motion like oh okay it looks like he really whacked him there but yes poor <laughs> hulks in the hospital was like what are you doing hey, hey brother you're making me look weak there dude uh so i'm gonna need you to take that off right now dude <laughs> It's Terry calling, not not Hulk. No, that's as we not found Hulk. out from lawsuits, Terry Bollea, Hulk Hogan, different penis sizes, different person <clears throat> for the lawsuit. Gawker, etc. Look it's that true. up, everybody. It's Don't look tr- up everything else. It's it all is real. true. It is wrestling's the best, isn't it? Okay, so next up we have our match here. Of actually, do we? Yes, we do. So this is the Dustin Rhodes, mm-hmm. Dusty Rhodes versus Bunkhouse Buck and Terry Funk. This also has the famous uh, Dusty Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes promo where Dusty and Dustin are talking face to face in the ring. Yep. And Dusty talks about, yeah, I was a really shitty dad to you, daddy. I was a shitty person because I was making money and making movies. <laughs> like, you're like, yeah, Dusty, you are a shitty person because he talks about, okay, you know, first I wanted to be the champion. Okay, great. You're a wrestler. He's like, but then I came back and I'm doing movies. <laughs> like, you, wait, wait, you're definitely a shitty person now. <laughs> And he talks about needing a partner. He's like, I don't want to be your partner. I just wanted to hug and a kiss, baby, right now. And then crying. And it's an emotional moment. And it is. It is. Cody's talked about this in interviews past. And Cody's got the the gift of the choking tears back thing. And I get it. His dad died in real life. He's sad when he's talking about him. Uh, but he said that this was a real thing. It was a real kind of come to Jesus moment for Dusty and Dustin because they weren't talking for years. And this kind of got them to start talking a little bit. And of course, something happened again where Dustin left, mm-hmm. became dull, coldest. They were strange, but this was a real moment 
And it's worth looking, and I'm glad The Clash showed the whole promo, too. They didn't just show the end of it. They showed the whole thing. It's definitely worth watching. It is. It's a good, it's really heartfelt. It's really real, emotional. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and Dusty's a great promo anyway. And yeah. and kudos to Dustin for kind of keeping a straight face there and, and just listening to it. And his just his clown shirt, by the way, which I was is what he's say, wearing. Good Lord. <laughs> it, was, it was 94. He Come looks on. like the Play-Doh box. Come on. <laughs> can't. can't be wearing that. <laughs> well... <laughs> I didn't think you could describe. I wasn't going to try to describe the shirt, <laughs> but you nailed it. Thank the Play-Doh you. box. I don't think you're going to top it. So that's. I want to make a T-shirt that says the Play-Doh box. <laughs> it's just a picture of Dustin Rhodes on it. Like, what does that mean? Like, Clash Twenty Eight. Clash Twenty Eight. If, if, if you know, you know, right? <laughs> okay, so this match sucks. Yeah, time. it's it's uh, unfortunate because the the spirit of the angle is good. You know, uh, it started with Arn Anderson, who was like. I'll be with you, Dustin. Don't worry. I'll protect you. And then, of course, he turned on him at Bash of the Beach. Yes. Have we learned nothing from the horseman history? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, And, you know, it's got Terry Funk in it. It's got Bunkhouse Buck in it. They're both awesome. But, yeah, no one cared about this. That was one of the problems, too, you know? And also, was Iowa a big NWA Florida Championship Wrestling territory? Would they care about Dusty Rhodes? I won't go the Bobby Heenan route. I'll try to be honest. No, I don't know what Iowa was in all seriousness. I don't know if, if anything, and, and someone can correct me, uh, maybe they were more AWA historically. Yeah, maybe. You know, Probably. I, I, I don't know, though. Yeah, I, I'll have to, I, I can ask my coworker who's from Iowa. I'm like, hey, what wrestling did you watch there when you, you were a kid? <laughs> I'll, I'll get an answer for you guys next week. But It, it could have been Dick the Bruiser's WWA for all I know. I don't know, you know? Yeah. But, well, isn't he more Milwaukee, like strictly Wisconsin type stuff? Maybe mainly Milwaukee, yeah. This is too much time to figure out who, what Iowa people were watching. But if you're an Iowa wrestling person, I know I have a friend, a uh, fan of the show too, Tony. He's from Nebraska. Close enough. What did you watch growing up, Tony? <laughs> Nebraska. I got, uh, I got Greg Armstrong out in uh, Davenport, Iowa. He likes it when I make fun of Iowa, so maybe he's listening to this one. Okay. <laughs> big big Seth Rollins fan out there. So. There you go. See? <laughs> big Tyler Black or Colby. Colby, there. whatever his last name Colby. is. Colby. Colby something. Anyway, there's not much to say about this match. The big big part of the match is, one, the crowd's kind of dead for it. Yep. Which, is it the Dusty thing? Is it, all right, is, when's Hogan going to get here thing? What is it? But It's all of it. It's, it ends up being a big schmoz at the end, of course. Yeah. And we didn't mention, with Bunkhouse and Terry Funk, is Ming, or yeah. Mang, as Mang. Scott Hall would call him. Haku. And, yes, Haku. And Colonel Robert Parker, the Love AK him. Tennessee Lee. Oh, the worst hated him Love so him. much. No, he's a great. That's because yeah, he's a good heel. Anyway. No, he's a great heel manager. I, mean, I shoot my pants once. He in did the, in the, the wall games, games right? match. <laughs> the wall games. He's good. Anyway, he's good. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a big spot here. So this is the this is the thing I have the memory of most of the show besides the the pipe to the knee to Hogan is Dusty and Ming kind of face off. And yep. Dusty's like, I'm not going to hit you. He goes out to get a chair, and it's a wooden chair. Yeah. Hits it over Ming's head. Of course, it smashes through cartoon style. What's most impressive, Ming's sunglasses don't come off. That, is, hits him with it. that is impressive, yeah. Yeah. Big pop, and then, of course, everyone comes out, uh, beats the hell out of him. Arn Anderson's out there. Everyone's in out khakis. there. Yeah. <laughs> when is he not in khakis in a polo? Yeah, that's true. That's a standard Golf uniform slash casual wrestling attire. My favorite Arn Anderson story is a sh- this is a I think I've told the show, but it's been a long time. Uh, I went to a charity show one time. Like they did a Cole Cabana and a few other people 
did a comedy charity show uh, for a kid that needed hospital bills in Chicago. And then literally like two hours before the show started, he goes, oh, by the way, CM Punk's going to be here. And this is when he's the WWE champion, height of the thing. He said he's going to come. So my wife and I went down there. It was super fun. And then post-show, CM Punk was just doing Q&A. There's like 40 people there. And he's, and then someone said, do you have any good Arn Anderson stories? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, one, he's back when Arn was an agent. Uh, he's got, I'm not going to say who the wrestler was. He goes, but he had a match, and he was really struggling, and he just wasn't great, and he didn't last. And he comes back to Arn Anderson, and he goes, is there anything I could do out there? And he goes, Arn Anderson's on his chair, rocks on it, puts his hands behind his head, and goes, you can fucking kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, he goes, he goes, I had to leave the locker room. I started laughing so hard. <laughs> That's and you can picture Arn with his belly out, you know, with his tobacco spit cup and all that oh yeah glasses all fogged up yes exactly <laughs> so anyway that's my favorite on anderson story uh but no, again nothing really happens here um no then i mean it leads to war games yeah it does the war games dead a war games i did, off off topic i was never a war games fan i've tried to go back and think they're great but there's the one really really great one the 92 but other than that not first a fan ones, of war games the first one's really good too but yeah i, I know what you mean uh, I'm I'm just not a WCW fan as much as WWF though, so I'm biased. Sure, sure, you know, sure. But even when like even when I was when I pretended not to like WCW, but I did because it was '97 <laughs> or '96, you know, I just wasn't into it. Um, I I get it, I get it. Man. All right, we we're gonna go back to the hospital, which is I like I like this back to the hospital thing. They're keeping us updated. They're not just reporting. They've got a man on the scene here. It feels like a newscast a little bit. The, yeah, I mean they're they're really in all seriousness. The impression I got from this is they're really putting their all into this angle. It's it's very old school. You know, this is almost like something Memphis would do or other territories would do in the eighties. Um, but it's not something that WCW had done a ton of or even WWF. So it's pretty unique. Yeah, who was who was the main booker this time? Was it was Flair kind of doing stuff here? I mean, um, Hogan was calling his own shots basically, but I'd imagine Bischoff started to. He just started becoming the VP of WCW here, so he's got to have some handle in it. Flair was the booker in '94, but I don't know when that stopped. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's here yet. He did book for a chunk of '94 though. Yeah, I just don't know when. If if it wasn't him, it probably would have been Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, this does seem like a Sullivan thing where it just keeps simmering and simmering and building and building this stuff. So it kind of seems like that. I know the breakaway chair is a Sullivan trope. So the balsa Definitely. wood chair. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, we're be- Bischoff's about there again. He's saying, I again, I have no update. But luckily, out comes someone walking in. At first, I thought it was the doctor because I was kind of half paying attention. Then he kind of says something. He says, I've advised Hulk Hogan not to wrestle because his knee's so bad. We've already negotiated with people. And I was like, oh, wait, remember, rewind. It's actually Hogan's lawyer. Hogan's actual lawyer here, by the way, yep. Henry Holmes. Yep. And he's appeared a few more times throughout WCW. He was yes. there in the NWO. Yep. Kudos to him. Great lawyer. Yeah, uh, seriously. He says, this is the funniest part. He goes, we've negotiated with with, Eric, with people. We've negotiated with Eric, with Eric Bischoff as he's talking to Eric Bischoff. <laughs> so clearly he doesn't know who the hell this guy is he's talking to. They just told him what to say. And the WCW brass that he would get an automatic rematch as soon as he's better. He goes, but Hulk's insisting on wrestling tonight. Now, do you think they were showing this to the live crowd, these things? Probably. You know what was going on? Yeah, yeah probably. They kind of have to because otherwise yeah. no one really knows what's going on. Uh, there were a lot of pro Hogan signs, which was kind of cool. Uh, there, were. there was there was someone says Hulk Hogan runs the WCW. So there. Oh, Bret was, Hart wrote it. 
Hogan said the WCW. He did occasionally. Yeah, you're right. He did. I think if you came from WWF, you said the WCW. Probably. Right? Yeah. I like the WCW more than WCW. Sounds more official. The World Championship Wrestling. Yeah, it does. Well, it does. I mean, it's not grammatically correct, but it sounds cool. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it does. Nothing matters in when, 1994. When I tell my wife I'm going to the Taco Bell, it sounds better. Well, in Chicago here, there's a grocery store called Jewel, but everyone calls it the Jewels. So it's just a thing. There you go. There you go. So if you know, the Jewels. We go back to the arena, and Ric Flair is out here in his purple Survivor Series 92 robe. Yep. Along with Mean Gene Oakland and Sherry, who's in a beekeeper's hat that's black, like she's going to a funeral maybe. Yeah, she's got a, a beekeeper's veil. Yep. Formal beekeeper attire. Yep. Flair demands that he's not going to be taking any loss from Hogan, He, but he wants Hogan to come back out here and hand him the belt. Yeah, sure. Which is a great heel move. Hand me the belt. By the way, seal. Yeah. If you want more info, call the Hulk hotline. By the way, <laughs> at least this is a little more okay with the hotline stuff because it's free show. They didn't charge you and then are charging you again for more information. Right. Exactly. Next up, we have a random match: Stephen Regal versus Antonio Inoki. This seems yeah. like something Stephen's <sighs> like, yeah, I want to wrestle him. I want to. I, okay. Well, Inoki's here. Go ahead. I th- I forget. The story here, and if anyone knows, I well, hope he's they... having so he's having a retirement tour here. Anoki is. Anoki is, yeah. And he got a plaque at some point with WCW. Should see a dentist for that. Yeah, I'll add a, a, a drop in later, but uh, yes, and also apparently he got the plaque, and Regal protested his plaque. Good. So that's why we have a match here. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, better enough reason than most of these matches, but. This match is just them beating the hell out of each other. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not really anything. It sounds better on paper. I, I've seen a, I've seen this show before. Obviously, I just rewatched it, but it's um, it's kind of boring. I know Inoki's a legend. I love Regal, but I, I got nothing out of this. It was kind of just stiff and slow and stupid. It was bad. It was bad. And it's what's funny is this is probably the worst match on the show that had and Nasty Boys versus Paul Roma and Mr. Wonderful match on it. This hey, is the worst match. You're right. Pretty Wonderful is a pretty wonderful team, though. It's, they're like Power and Glory of WCW. Sour and Gory is my Sour favorite, and Gory. favorite version of them. So. But, by the way, Steve, you might be interested to know this. I'm casually uh, looking something up here. It looks like WWF ran Cedar Rapids the same arena like four or five times a year in the late 80s, early 90s. Okay, so they're a WWF town. So they might be, yeah. And maybe prior they were in the AWS glory years in the early 80s maybe. But yeah, they, WWF definitely was there a few times a year. They took it over. All right. Yep. Did they draw? they draw a house, brother? I didn't look. <laughs> brother? I don't know if that would be considered an A. Who the hell knows if Hogan was even there? No. That, yeah, that's a C-town. Ken Patera a- versus Hercules. Yes. Ken Patera versus Harley Race. <laughs> Ken Patera. Yes. Uh, the Heart Foundation versus the Bees in September 87. Uh, you know, we were the main event. People stuck around to see us. I love the killer bees. Yeah, I thought Jim Brunzel had a great dropkick. I didn't like <laughs> Brian Blair that much, though. Um, and then Savage versus Honky. It was never the A, so Hogan wouldn't have been there. And that's pre, like, Savage champion. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm looking at 87 specifically. So maybe that's B-Town. C-Town's Duggan headlining, right? C-Town in 87, 88 would be like Doug and Andre or maybe, yeah, even worse. Yeah, that's Doug and headlining, yep. Anyway, match sucks. Yes. Anoki (laughs) (laughs) wins. 
It's just like whatever. It There's isn't no, good. It isn't good. It's it's not even worth watching to be honest. It's it's worth watching the first few minutes. You're like, oh, they're really just gonna hit each other. Like yeah. that's what they do. And Regal's doing is like grinding the forearm in on the cover and all that shit. You know, like classic Regal stuff. This on paper is a match where some like wrestling. Oh, I like the chain wrestling style matchup right. of English wrestling. I like this match. You, you won't trust me. You it's won't. boring. It is. Once again, another ad for that Hulk hotline. So it's three ads and a two-hour show for the Hulk hotline, which he gets 100% of and gets paid for advertising for. Fucking brilliant. Michael Buffer is here to he announce is. the main event. Yeah, he's already here. Michael Buffer, to me, was obviously associated with boxing, but as he got older, as I got older, he was more the WCW guy than the boxing guy. He was at everything. He was there from, I want to say, 93 until, God, at least 99? Bischoff is... Long time. Yeah, Bischoff has said how much he's paid him before, or maybe he didn't because Bischoff can never remember anything apparently. Yeah, on his podcast, nice. <laughs> I love Tony Schiavone on his podcast said, "You know, Cameron, when he says I don't remember, it means he's lying, right?" Because <laughs> <laughs> Schiavone has zero Fs to give. He's got a good gig at a. Yes, we can go back into announcing Braves minor league baseball if he wants to. Like he's he's fine. Good for him. Uh, Schiavone's a guy that. As I've gotten older, I'm like, man, he was awesome. He Same. Was really, really good. As a kid, Same I hated him, but he's mm-hmm. so good. Really good. And he's great foil for Bobby, just all putting over how important stuff is. He was awesome. Even WWF, he was great. 90 Rumble Call? Come on. It was oh, awesome. Oh, God. Yeah, and SummerSlam 89, too. Yeah, he's good at both of those events. Um, Hogan Bossman, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, December 88, by the way. Okay, so they did get in A-Town. Maybe <laughs> yeah. that was a stop. I'm guessing Chicago was either before or after that. Uh, Lincoln, Nebraska was right okay. before so Huntington, south. Huntington, West Virginia. Chicago was the next day. You're right. There you Rosemont. go. Yep. There you go. So I went to it. So that was the tour. Look at that. See? Look, you, we're, we're shit in Iowa. They're in A-Town. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. And by the way, Iowa's a state. So Cedar Rapids is the A-Town. Not yeah. Davenport, apparently. That's right. No. Or Dubuque. <laughs> not, not Davenport. No, Des Moines. None of that. No, Dubuque. So, again, Buffer's here for the main event. And, of course, as we know, Hogan doesn't show up. He forfeits the title. Ric Flair is out first. Yep. He's demanding it. Let's go. He gets pyro. Big deal for Ric Flair here. It's the main event. Yeah. What's also funny is I don't even know why they mentioned the Sting thing because they didn't even bring it up again. Like, they said it, <laughs> and then they kind of went away. There was no reason to even bring Sting up unless yeah, you want people on TV to kind of like, oh, I'm going to stick with it maybe. The only thing I can think of is they were trying to plant a seed for something, but I don't know, you know? Yeah. Well, Flair and Flair just loves losing to Sting and Hogan. That's his kind of his deal. He does it a lot. He loses to everyone. He doesn't care either. I like this it. is true. I like it. Eventually, Flair's making demands, saying, where's Hogan? Where's Hogan? Doing the screaming Ric Flair style. Where's Hogan? Yeah, yeah, yeah and Hogan, the, the terrible Hogan <laughs> WCW thing playing for too long. Of course, Hogan comes limping out. He walked from the hospital, Steve. Did he? Yes. <laughs> Remember, that's the whole gimmick. They he couldn't walked... get a couldn't get a cab. <laughs> no. Well, they don't have cabs in in Iowa. You know, it's... the what's funny is when they were we were talking about earlier when they were on site the hospital. It looked like a real hospital. It could have been. I'm sure it was. I'm sure they really did go there. Yeah. Do you think like the doctors like what, beefcake and Jimmy Hart with his jacket comes in like who the hell are these crackheads going to town <laughs> yeah. tonight? What's going on here? Sorry, so we're not accepting uh, we're not accepting Jehovah's Witnesses right now. <laughs> oh come on, baby, we, this is neat, baby. Come on, baby, this is neat, baby. <laughs> exactly. And then of course, guy. For those who don't know, because we're not going to stick with this, eventually it's revealed that Beefcake's the one that hit him. Yes, and um, he, that's the deal. 
And they make a point of hammering home that the man butchered a friendship. He butchered a friendship. So they rename him, you know, the butcher. And he headlines yeah. Starcade. <laughs> yeah, but he's the Zodiac at Starcade. No, he's he's butcher at Starcade. Starcade ninety four. He's the but he's is he? He's butcher. Yeah, okay. he becomes Zodiac after. Uh, he's in the Dungeon of Doom with Zodiac, yes, right? Okay. So he's in the Three Faces of Fear as as Butcher, which is a uh, Avalanche, Kevin Sullivan, and him. Mm-hmm. Then that disbands, and they kind of morph into the uh, Dungeon of Doom, and he becomes Zodiac. You're right. He's the Butcher, right? Yeah, which is just. Fucking Ed Leslie, main eventing a Starcade. It's fucking Ed Leslie. You know the you know who the one of the rumors was at the time, and who I think they were trying to get was uh, uh, Kurt Hennig. So main oh, that would make a lot more sense. Yeah, and because he was, so he went back to WWF briefly because he was the, the main uh, special referee, and then was he supposed did, to he did two yeah. tapings uh, on yeah. interviews. Yeah, yeah. So then he kind of went away, and then eventually. Ends up in the WCW. So, and then he he does commentary and all that. He's a weird kind of back and forth career. He was smart about uh, not wrestling when he didn't have to, and just collecting on his uh, Lloyd's. His Lloyd's, Mister Mister Lloyd. Hello, yeah. Lloyd's here. <laughs> We're in London. So I pictured just some guy hey. in a chair. Lloyd's here. Yes, we'll pay you. <laughs> it worked. It um, did. But the uh, from what I understand, the actual person at the time at, at this clash in the costume in the black uh, attire was. Uh, Arn Anderson from yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he I don't played know. this Black Scorpion a few times too, I'm sure. I'm sure he did, yeah. And I don't know if they knew by August who they were going with. I was looking to see if they were dropping hints, you know, with, with where they were going. They might have still been holding out hope. I've heard both Kurt Hennig and I feel like I've heard someone say they were trying to get the Warrior, which wouldn't surprise me, you know, if they well, were trying to get him. Warrior said that in his shooting interviews. Okay, there you go. That they were. And he was always, he was saying, he's like, they just think I'm sitting at home with my face paint on waiting for someone to call me. Wasn't he? They, yeah, apparently not. He was, he was painting Native American images and is selling them on his website. That's what he was doing. Oh, okay. Yeah. In between his uh, martial arts career or whatever he was doing. In his, in his motivation gym and all that stuff. Riding horses. Exactly. And making hate speeches at conventions <laughs> later in life. And then that he, was later. Yeah. And, and then name a reward after him. Anyway. <laughs> It's just, that's just rant. But it, what's funny is I have like two Ultimate Warrior belts because I, he was so great as a kid. It's, it's like watching the NFL. Like I can't just I, I can't accept these people as real people. I have to understand they're probably bad, but I'm going to watch them and be entertained. That's most of wrestling in the '80s, you know. <laughs> Not actually Jim Duggan. Not Jim Duggan. He smoked that crunk. So him and Sheik <laughs> having a good time while driving. <laughs> he did end up killing that girl too in the car. Hmm. That doesn't endanger anybody at all uh, in my home state. Jimmy Hart, great guy. Yes, Jimmy Hart, actually great guy. Okay, so we found the one guy in the eighties that was okay. <laughs> I guess Hillbilly Hart. Jim, Hillbilly. Oh well, yeah, Jimmy oh, or Hillbilly, Hillbilly, Hillbilly Jim? Jim for sure. Yeah, Andre uh, not so much, Macho not so much, Lanny maybe. He just showed up. He's just like, yeah, he's just strange. He seems like he'd be annoying. Like he's <laughs> just a weird guy. You <laughs> yeah. ever gotten a chance to meet him? No, but he seems like he'd be a weird guy. Yeah, I agree with don't, you. Don't don't pass up the chance to meet him. People, when I met him at WrestleCon, he w- it was really nice because he was, I asked him, because every WrestleCon has their gimmick table and their, these are my prices for my autograph. And I go, he didn't have one. So it was me and Nate Ringskirts were talking to him. Oh, Nate Skirts, yeah. Yep. And Nate's, the Nate Skirts. <laughs> uh, we were like, so how much for uh, like a picture autograph? He goes, oh, I'm only taking donations to Special Olympics because that was Randy's favorite charity. Like, oh, that's awesome. 
So then we were talking to him a little bit. And the funny part is we both gave him 20 bucks. I got way more shit than they did. And they just got like a picture and I got like six things from him. Because <laughs> uh, I said, oh, you know, you're from Donner's Grove, Illinois. That's like, you know, 10 minutes from my house. He goes, oh, okay. And I said, yeah, I'm from Orland Park. He goes, I've never heard of that city. I'm like, well, it's not like a small city. And then he got super awkward with me. Like I offended him. Like we're not rivals, dude. <laughs> also, he wasn't wearing any shoes or socks in a convention <laughs> too. Yeah, he just weird guy, but. I don't know why he's not selling Frisbees with poems on them. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. No, he had nothing. He had his his uh, his book, Wrestling with Rhyme. So he gave me that. And he also had his comic book called The Genius Lenny Poffo. He had those two things. Creative and you have eight by tens. Yeah. Well, he is. How is he not selling a friggin' mortarboard, you know, cap? With, yeah. You know, or a robe? Or the friggin' Frisbee, like you said. How is he missing the boat? He's not really a genius, I think, Steve. He's not. He's not. But Adam Baum is selling the mini footballs now. He's smart. He Good. knows what's up. Yeah, smart that's right. guy. <laughs> that's what That's what people... Hackshaw Jim Duggan sells mini blocks of wood. How do you not? How do you not? <laughs> Beefcake sells scissors. No, he doesn't. He should, but he doesn't. should. Not scissors. to Sid, though. No, uh, Honky Tonk Man sells mini guitars. Does he really? 100 bucks if you want one of those. Good for him. Yeah, hundred bucks if you want one of those. By the way, he doesn't give a fuck anymore. That guy, he does no. not care. I love it. Nope. Uh, I met him at a Buffalo Wild Wings out here once. Was so he working to... there? <laughs> I thought so. So they were doing the pay per view show of WWE at the time, and WWE at the WWF at the time. Uh, <laughs> he uh, thanks Jr. And he was out. Thanks every wrestler and every wrestler <laughs> book. And there's two things I'm done with. One, if you're writing a wrestling book, don't describe to me what the gorilla position is. I know. I'm reading a wrestling book. I know what the gorilla position is. Two, don't say WWF at the time. Because I know. Like, we all those know. Are my, those are my two things I'm done with. We all fucking know. <laughs> rant, oh, rant. Yes, nobody who's not a wrestling fan <laughs> is reading your book, Ric Flair, or fucking Batista. Like, we know. Come on. Or uh, Anyway, rant kind of over. Where were we? <laughs> Talking about uh, something? Oh, honky talking about Buffalo Wild Wings. Buffalo Wild Wings. So I get there, and he's literally in the corner eating wings. I'm like, oh, well, I wonder why he's in town. And then some guy's like, by the way, Honky Tonks man's here signing autographs. <laughs> so people are going up to him. Well, he's got wing sauce all over his hands to get them to <laughs> sign shit. And Honky didn't give it up. He's eating his wings, signing, taking your 20 bucks and moving on. So, Good for him. Yes, exactly. His autographs are 50 bucks now for anything. Ah, good stuff. Good stuff. Anyway, back to this match here. Hogan comes out, limping out. Ed Leslie, main eventer, Starcades with him. And they're making this just like, oh, Hogan's so brave. What's he doing here? Uh, Gets Hogan keeps beating him on. He keeps like hitting like Flair with a robe or something. I don't know what's going on here. It's weird. Well, it's a strong robe. It's from the WWF. It's got powers. Uh, Flair gets the eye poke in just like he normally does. Uh, he goes for Hogan. Eventually, tries to hit a chair shot. Like, wait a minute, aren't you the good guy here? What the hell's yeah. going on? That's standard Hogan fair. Yeah, um, standard Hogan unfair. Yeah, and then this this match ends where Hogan loses via countout, right? Yes. Because Hulk Hulk, this is your typical Hogan match for the most part with him selling. But there's nothing really outstanding or notable of it. No, he's just selling his knee a bit better than he did at like WrestleMania six. You know. Yeah, oh, my knee's gone. My knee's gone. Yeah. And then, and then Gorilla, the doctor, is like, oh, I must have popped back into place. He slammed it back in. <laughs> yeah, that's Fuck what you it. do with the knee. That ended in a count out, Jess. Well, in fairness to that Hogan match, kudos to him for saying super loudly to the camera, my knee's gone. 
Yeah. That seems real, you know? Yeah, good point. Anyway, uh, Hulk loses by countout, right? Yep. And for some reason, Flair celebrates like he's the champion. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I never understood that trope. I know it's to piss off the live crowd, but if like in kayfabe, don't these wrestlers know the rules? Why do they do that? It makes him look like an idiot. Yeah, it does. Literally. <sighs> Mass Man comes out again. They're double teaming the knee. Another figure four, but we talked about him not being here. Sting shows up. That's right. He got here just in time. Yeah. Runs out for the save. And that's, I'm guessing, to send the crowd home happy type of thing. Sting comes out. So. Yep, yep, definitely. And Sting's not in his face paint. He's got like a flannel vest. Right Why would you wear to charity events? Flannel vests? Well, in the summer. Yeah. Can't wear the whole shirt. It's, it's hot. <laughs> it, is, it is August in Iowa. It's <laughs> that's a little what warm. I'm saying. It's it a little like warm here. Um, I was hoping that they were teasing Sting was really the masked man. You know, because at yeah. the time, because like, it kind of would have made sense. You know, oh, he's not here. He's not here. All of a sudden he comes in. But obviously they weren't going that direction. I just think that would have been a good twist. But they weren't going to. They weren't going to turn Sting heel in 94, you know? It would have given him something to do throughout 95. Yeah, he was very middling. He, it's like Bret Hart's 95 is like Sting's 95, you know? Kinda I don't think just, he cared, though, because how much money he was making. Uh, Sting, no. I'm sure he didn't. He was in WCW, you know? Yeah, well, according to Scott Hall, he was making 750 grand a year. Correct. Sting, fucking Sting money? Fuck. Sting, he's like, how much money? Sting money. Fuck. Sting money? Yeah. Fuck am mash. I doing here? Fucking working the fucking Undertaker and Red Deer. Fuck. <laughs> he's like, fuck, going, going to the La Quinta? Fuck it. Fuck. 300 miles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like anything my- else. It's like anything else. So everything with Nash is, it's like anything else. It's like anything else. Fuck. Can't pay my fucking expenses. Fuck. In uh, fairness to Nash, he's got wrestling figured out. Just fucking pay me. <laughs> I, I like Nash. No, I do because he's honest about it. Yeah, but he's the fucking money. Even in his Hall of Fame speech, he goes, "People say only do this for the money," and they were right. It's like oh, all these wrestlers are pouring their heart out, <laughs> like Jake Roberts. You know, shame in pain. Yeah, <laughs> and Nash is saying they only did it for the money. <laughs> That's awesome what, stuff. Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, that's what Bobby Heenan said. The gorilla always told him, you know, just do it for the money. Do it for the money. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. So the show's ending now. Again, yeah. this is a two-hour show, but so much happened. So kudos to WCW for yeah. making me interested. It was a it was a a fun hype show for Fall Brawl. You know, they're just trying to leap towards Fall Brawl, mm-hmm. uh, and they did a pretty good job. Although Fall Brawl doesn't have Hogan, and it didn't do nearly as good of a buy rate as uh, Bash or Havoc because yeah. of that, but. You know, the War Games was the stud stable shit, which no one cared about. <laughs> it's true. Like, that's their fucking War Games, is is the stud stable Rhodes feud. Hogan's not doing the War Games. Come on. No. be in there. No. It's not this early. It was weird, though, if you think about it, Steve. They they did Hogan Flair in July. They did it in August, and then they just had to do another rematch in October. They kind of really flew through it. Well, Flair talks about that in his book about how this particular ending here, he was pissed that Hogan wouldn't give him the belt. He goes, oh, he's like, we're dead after this. He's like, there's nothing we can go to. He's like, why do people care about a rematch yeah. if I don't have the belt? He's right. And that's why they put end up putting Flair's career on the line for that Halloween Havoc match. Yeah, exactly, which makes it. total sense, but not in a good way. You know, I get why they did it, but I also, you know, Hogan's not losing the belt in the second WCW match ever. They, but you, they they primed it up for him to lose it. The knee. The, yeah, you know, they the did. Knee get, they're getting piped. Jesus, is, Jesus, what's going on? The knee. 
You know? <laughs> oh, it's Patila. No, they did, but it's just that you know Hogan. He's not going to come in and lose his second match and lose the world title. You know he's not. <laughs> they pitch this to Hogan. How about this, dude? How about I keep the belt, brother, and beat him again in October, dude? Just beat him twice, dude. How about I beat him three times, brother? How about I just always win? Uh, also, can we run a couple more of those Hulk Hogan hotline ads, dude? All right, I'll see you later. I got to go pick up Nick from school. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I picture Hulk in 94, the boots. Love Hulk Hogan. Always did as a kid, and even now, despite his weirdness and his racism and all that other stuff. Anyway, yeah, what do you think know. of the show? I, we, on our uh, show, we give letter grades. What's your overall letter grade for uh, Clash of the I, Champions? Let me see if I can do an Eric style. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty much him, yep. Like a B. <laughs> yeah. It was actually, in all seriousness, I thought it was actually a pretty good Clash. It's probably better. I like the June one that. We just did on, on our show, but uh, this is fun, too. I mean, again, WCW is 94. We're getting towards the tail end of their really good year, but this is still a lot of the, the good stuff about WCW 94. So I, I liked it. I give it like a B. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for a class show, it's a B plus for me. If this is a pay-per-view, it would be like a C minus yeah. maybe just right. because of the matches not being good and having to pay for it. But for a show on free TV, a lot of stuff happening. You yeah. got championship matches, two championship or three championship matches. And yep. a random Antonio Inoki match and a big angle, it's worth watching. If especially if you're you're feeling nostalgic for some pre NWO WCW, go ahead and check it out. It's it's a lot of fun. It really is, and the commentary is great. Bobby and uh, Tony are yep. great. They are. They always were, and I, I always get sad knowing that Bobby hated Tony Schiavone later on. And I think it's the, sad. They did reconcile though at the end, right? Mm, I, I, I don't I know think, if they did. I think I they think, did. Okay. Well, I know. Tony has said in past, he goes, that's on me because I should have reached out to Bobby knowing he was upset, but I didn't because I was worried about myself and, and all that. But then you got guys like Mark Madden, like, well, Bobby here showing up drunk to, to, to wrestling. Well, yeah. whatever. Fuck Mark yeah. Madden. Mark. Yeah, it was a fun show. Definitely worth watching. And Yeah, I agree. And a podcast worth watching and checking out is our friend Joe's podcast. Joe and Michael Quinn do a show every week. The Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast, just in case you haven't checked them out yet, please give them a, a listen. It's a lot of fun. It's a awesome thing in the background to do. It's something I audibly laugh out loud a lot. Uh, and I think what I like about your show, too, is you and Quinn sometimes have the same dynamic where Quinn will get, like, tickled when you're mad at something. <laughs> and the same thing with Eric. Like, if something gets me mad, it gets him, like, happy. Yes. Like, he gets happy about it. This happens all the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's fun stuff. So, again, our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast they're on Patreon as well. Also, follow them on Twitter at OVP Podcast because every once in a while, they give out a free month to their Patreon. It's free. Right. You can't, can't mess with free. This is true. So go check them out. Uh, a few of our other podcast buddies, we give a shout out every week. Our friends Scott and Jeff at the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast. They've been doing a show now for, they're almost on 300 episodes. Yeah. And they're the longest reigning episodic wrestling figure podcast going today, as they say. So go check them out. Uh, check out our friends Eric and Barry at the Doing the Favor Podcast. They're on a little bit of a break now. As Eric's uh, adjusting a few things to the schedule, but check them out. They do a couple shows a week. Uh, Barry is the kind of encyclopedia of random wrestling stuff, which is fun to hear. Our friend Daniel Spencer over at the Ringside Podcast, Impact Wrestling Referee, they do a fun show. Uh, Justin Summers does a lot of AIW stuff. So if you're into independent wrestling, check out Wrestling Cheers. Uh, the Breaker and Bane Power Hour, they do a show every week with interviews and topics. But Breaker has a side project, which is a lot of fun, called You Know It's Fake Right?, uh, Breaker's a, a former wrestler, and he 
has a lot of uh, interesting guests, and it's a con- it's a fun concept for a show. But we've all heard that as wrestling fans, like you know, it's fake, right? And it's a it's a cool thing to hear about other people's fandom. And there's always more podcasts. I always forget to shout out, but those are the main ones I listen to every week, and we rotate through. And I always tell people also to to listen to a, start a podcast. Um, also, a mutual show listener, the Greetings from Allentown podcast is always fun because he just cracks me up when he does his shows and. A single person going through shows is just great. It makes me laugh. Uh, they're from Green from Allentown. But that's it for this week. Uh, Joe, thanks for coming on. It was fun. It was fun to talk about 94 WCW. Fun to have some laughs. I'm glad I popped you on the gorilla position. But <laughs> anything else before we close up this week? No, um, thanks for having me on, Steve. It's always fun to swing by PPW and talk about the old wrestling with you. It's always good. I- Heck yes, and I'm sure you've already got your New Japan AEW tickets, so I'll see you in Chicago, because I know you're a big fan of the New Japan. Yeah, or and no, AEW, no, right yes. my alley. Well, no, you you like old Japan, I think. That's what, that's what, I get you confused. I like ancient Japan. Ancient Japan, okay. Turtles okay. 3. Oh, the worst turtles. It's the worst. The, <laughs> even as a kid, I was like trying to convince myself it was good. Same. Not. The worst, <laughs> the worst. Not even worth a rewatch as an adult. Even April's hair pissed me off. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, okay, okay, that's for, but Casey Jones was back. Yeah, that going for it. That was good. That's it. And then they had the weird spots too, like because they made them like the action figures. They had warts all over themselves. They did. What was with the spots? I think it was to match the action figures. Yeah, I think you're right. And they had like no money. Whatever studio took over the the animatronics. Yes, no wasn't Henson. Yes, yeah. that's why Nash didn't call me. He's like, fuck, I'm not doing it. Fifty fuck, grand, maybe. Fucking pay me for it. I'm maybe Super kid. Shredder. Fucking super shredder. Uh, he was doing a really last Nash story. He was doing one of his many shoot interviews he does, and they asked him about the super shredder action figure. <laughs> and the guy's like, do you get any money from that? He goes, fuck no. He's like, but I get 50 bucks every time someone brings it to sign it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's good for it. That's good. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again, Joe, for coming on. We'll be back next week with Eric staying in 94 WCW. With the Spring Stampede 94, so that'll be a lot of fun. Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So lots of good stuff there. I believe that one was in Chicago, too. So I'm looking forward to that one. It was. Everyone, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. It's not a real time for